0: Our goal at The Sleepy Bookshelf is to help the world get better sleep, so if you're enjoying the show, please make sure that you've followed the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other podcast player you use. And if you have a moment, review the show on Apple Podcasts. All of this helps the show reach new listeners and share the gift of a good night's rest. Thank you so much for your support. Good evening, and welcome to The Sleepy Bookshelf, where we put down our worries from the day and pick up a good book. I'm Elizabeth, your host, and it's great to have you here with me. Tonight, we'll be continuing with the wonderful Wizard of Oz, but before we begin, let's take some time to get comfortable in bed. Once you have found a cozy spot, take a big inhale, and then a deep sigh to let it all go. In our first episode, Dorothy, her Aunt Em, her Uncle Henry, and her little dog Toto were living and working on their little grey farm in Kansas, until one day Uncle Henry spotted a cyclone heading their way. Aunt Em tried to get Dorothy into their tiny basement for safety, but Dorothy slipped while rescuing Toto, and the house was suddenly swept up by the cyclone. They flew for so long, Dorothy began to get quite tired and crawled into her bed. And when she awoke, With a thump, she found the house had landed in a strange, beautiful place, far, far away from Kansas. She was greeted by some unusually small people, who she learned were munchkins, and the wonderful Good Witch of the North, who explained her house had landed on the Wicked Witch of the East, putting an end to her reign of terror. The Good Witch told her that to get home, she should visit the Great Wizard of Oz, who lived in the Emerald City at the end of the yellow brick road. She gave her a protective kiss on the forehead, and the Wicked Witch's silver shoes for her journey. On her way, Dorothy encountered a friendly scarecrow calling out across the cornfields. She lifted him off his perch, and he asked if he could join her to see if Oz could give him a brain. She agreed, and off they went. And that is where we pick back up tonight, with Dorothy, Toto, and the Scarecrow continuing down the path of yellow bricks toward the Emerald City. So, rest your attention on the sound of my voice as I turn to the next page of the Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Chapter 4. The Road Through the Forest After a few hours, the road began to be rough, and the walking grew so difficult that the scarecrow often stumbled over the yellow bricks, which were here very uneven. Sometimes, indeed, they were broken or missing altogether leaving holes that Toto jumped across and Dorothy walked around. As for the scarecrow, having no brains, he walked straight ahead and so stepped into the holes and fell at full length on the hard bricks. It never hurt him, however, and Dorothy would pick him up and set him on his feet again while he joined her in laughing merrily at his own mishap. The farms were not nearly so well cared for here as they were farther back. There were fewer houses and fewer fruit trees, and the farther they went, the more dismal and lonesome the country became. At noon, they sat down by the roadside near the little brook, and Dorothy opened her basket and got out some bread. She offered a piece to the scarecrow, but he refused. I am never hungry, he said, and it's a lucky thing I am not, for my mouth is only painted And if I should cut a hole in it so I could eat, the straw I'm stuffed with would come out, and that would spoil the shape of my head. Dorothy saw at once that this was true, so she only nodded and went on eating her bread. Tell me something about yourself and the country you came from said the Scarecrow when she had finished eating her dinner. So she told him all about Kansas, and how grey everything was there, and how the Cyclone had carried her to this strange land of Oz. The Scarecrow listened carefully and said, cannot understand why you should wish to leave this beautiful country and go back to the dry, grey place you call Kansas. That is because you have no brains, answered the girl. No matter how dreary and grey our homes are, we people of flesh and blood would rather live there than in any other country, be it ever so beautiful. There is no place like home." The scarecrow sighed. Of course I cannot understand it, he said. If your heads were stuffed with straw like mine, you would probably all live in the beautiful places. And then Kansas would have no people at all. It is fortunate for Kansas that you have brains. Won't you tell me a story while we are resting? asked the child. The scarecrow looked at her sadly and answered, My life has been so short that I really know nothing whatever. I was only made the day before yesterday. What happened in the world before that time is all unknown to me. Luckily, when the farmer made my head, one of the first things he did was to paint my ears so that I heard what was going on. There was another munchkin with him, and the first thing I heard was the farmer saying, how do you like those ears? They aren't straight, answered the other. Never mind, said the farmer. They are ears just the same. Which was true enough. Now I'll make the eyes, said the farmer. So he painted my right eye, and as soon as it was finished, I found myself looking at him and everything around me with a great deal of curiosity, for this was my first glimpse of the world. That's a rather pretty eye, remarked the other munchkin who was watching the farmer. That paint is just the color for eyes. I think I'll make the other a little bigger, said the farmer, And when the second eye was done, I could see much better than before. Then he made my nose, a mouth, but I did not speak, because at that time I did not know what a mouth was for. I had the fun of watching them make my body, my arms, and my legs. And when they fastened on my head at last, I felt very proud, for I thought I was just as good a man as anyone. This fellow will scare the crows fast enough, said the farmer. He looks just like a man. Why, he is a man, said the other, and I quite agreed with him. The farmer carried me under his arm to the cornfield and set me up on a tall stick where you found me. He and his friend soon after walked away and left me alone. I did not like to be deserted in this way, so I tried to walk after them, but my feet would not touch the ground and I was forced to stay on that pole. It was a lonely life to lead, for I had nothing to think of having been made such a little while before. Many crows and other birds flew into the cornfield, but as soon as they saw me, they flew away again, thinking I was a munchkin. And this pleased me and made me feel that I was quite an important person. By and by, an old crow flew near me, and after looking at me carefully, he perched upon my shoulder and said, I wonder if that farmer thought to fool me in this clumsy manner. Any crow of sense could see that you are only stuffed with straw. Then, he hopped down at my feet And ate all the corn he wanted. The other birds, seeing he was not harmed by me, came to eat the corn too. So, in a short time, there was a great flock of them about me. I felt sad at this, for it showed I was not such a good scarecrow after all. But the old crow comforted me, saying, If you only had brains in your head, you would be as good a man as any of them, and a better man than some of them. Brains are the only things worth having in this world, no matter whether one is a crow or a man. After the crows had gone... I thought this over and decided I would try hard to get some brains. By good luck, you came along and pulled me off the stake. And from what you say, I'm sure the Great Oz will give me brains as soon as we get to the Emerald City." "'I hope so,' said Dorothy earnestly since you seem anxious to have them. Oh, yes, I am anxious, returned the scarecrow. It is such an uncomfortable feeling to know one is a fool. Well, said the girl, let us go, and she handed the basket to the scarecrow. There were no fences at all by the roadside now, and the land was rough and untilled. Toward the evening, they came to a great forest, where the trees grew so big and close together that their branches met over the road of yellow brick. It was almost dark under the trees for the branches shut out the daylight. But the travelers did not stop and went on into the forest. If this road goes in, it must come out, said the scarecrow. And as the Emerald City is at the other end of the road, we must go wherever it leads us anyone would know that," said Dorothy. Certainly, that is why I know it," returned the Scarecrow. If it required brains to figure it out, I should never have said it. After an hour or so, the light faded away, And they found themselves stumbling along in the darkness. Dorothy could not see at all, but Toto could, for some dogs see very well in the dark, and the scarecrow declared he could see as well as by day. So, she took hold of his arm and managed to get along fairly well. If you see any house or a place where we can pass the night, she said, you must tell me, for it is very uncomfortable walking in the dark. Soon after, the scarecrow stopped. I see a little cottage at the right of us, he said, built of logs and branches. Shall we go there? Yes, indeed, answered the child. I am all tired out. So, the scarecrow led her through the trees until they reached the cottage, and Dorothy entered and found a bed of dried leaves in one corner. She lay down at once, and with Toto beside her, soon fell into a sound sleep. The Scarecrow, who was never tired, stood up in another corner and waited patiently until morning came. Chapter 5. The Rescue of the Tin Woodman When Dorothy awoke, the sun was shining through the trees, and Toto had long been out, chasing birds around him and squirrels. She sat up and looked around her. There was the scarecrow, still standing patiently in his corner, waiting for her. We must go and search for water, she said to him. Why do you want water? He asked. To wash my face clean after the dust of the road, and to drink so the bread will not stick in my throat, Dorothy replied. It must be inconvenient to be made of flesh, said the scarecrow thoughtfully, for you must sleep and eat and drink. However, you have brains and it is worth a lot of bother to be able to think properly. They left the cottage and walked through the trees until they found a little spring of clear water where Dorothy drank and bathed and ate her breakfast. She saw there was not much bread left in the basket, and the girl was thankful the scarecrow did not have to eat anything, for there was scarcely enough for herself and Toto for the day. When she had finished her meal and was about to go back to the road of Yellow Brick, She was startled to hear a deep groan nearby. What was that? she asked timidly. I cannot imagine, replied the scarecrow, but we can go and see. Just then, another groan reached their ears and the sound seemed to come from behind them. They turned and walked through the forest a few steps when Dorothy discovered something shining in a ray of sunshine that fell between the trees. She ran to the place and then stopped short with a little cry of surprise. One of the big trees had been partially chopped through, and standing beside it with an uplifted axe in his hands was a man made entirely of tin. His head and arms and legs were jointed upon his body, but he stood perfectly motionless as if he could not stir at all. Dorothy looked at him in amazement, and so did the scarecrow, while Toto barked sharply and made a snap at the tin legs, which hurt his teeth. "'Did you groan?' asked Dorothy. "Yes." answered the tin man. I did. I've been groaning for more than a year, and no one has ever heard me before or come to help me. What can I do for you? She inquired softly, for she was moved by the sad voice in which the man spoke. Get an oil can and oil my joints, he answered. They are rusted so badly that I cannot move them at all. If I am well oiled, I shall soon be all right again. You will find an oil can on a shelf in my cottage. Dorothy at once ran back to the cottage and found the oil can. Then she returned and asked anxiously, where are your joints? Oil my neck first, replied the tin woodman. So she oiled it and as it was quite badly rusted, the scarecrow took hold of the tin head and moved it gently from side to side until it worked freely, and then the man could turn it himself. Now oil the joints in my arms, he said, and Dorothy oiled them, and the scarecrow bent them carefully until they were quite free from rust. And as good as new. The tin woodman gave a sigh of satisfaction and lowered his axe, which he leaned against the tree. This is a great comfort, he said. I've been holding that axe in the air ever since I rusted and I'm glad to be able to put it down at last. Now, if you will oil the joints of my legs, I shall be all right once more. So they oiled his legs until he could move them freely. And he thanked them again and again for his release, for he seemed a very polite creature and very grateful. "'I might have stood there always if you had not come along,' he said. "'So you have certainly saved my life. How did you happen to be here?' "'We are on our way to the Emerald City to see the Great Oz,' she answered, and we stopped at your cottage to pass the night? Why do you wish to see Oz? He asked. I want him to send me back to Kansas, and the Scarecrow wants him to put a few brains into his head, she replied. The Tin Woodman appeared to think deeply for a moment. Then he said, Do you suppose Oz could give me a heart? Why, I guess so, Dorothy answered. It would be as easy as to give the Scarecrow brains. True, the Tin Woodman returned. So, if you will allow me to join your party, I will also go to the Emerald City and ask Oz to help me." "'Come along,' said the Scarecrow heartily, and Dorothy added that she would be pleased to have his company. So the Tin Woodman shouldered his axe, and they all passed through the forest, until they came to the road that was paved with yellow brick." The Tin Woodman had asked Dorothy to put the oil can in her basket, for, he said, if I should get caught in the rain and rust again, I would need the oil can badly. It was a bit of good luck to have their new comrade join the party. For soon after they had begun their journey again, they came to a place where the trees and branches grew so thick over the road that the travellers could not pass. But the Tin Woodman set to work with his axe and chopped so well that soon he cleared the passage for the entire party. Dorothy was thinking so earnestly as they walked along that she did not notice when the scarecrow stumbled into a hole and rolled over to the side of the road. Indeed, he was obliged to call her to help him up again. Why didn't she walk around the hall, asked the tin woodman. I don't know enough, replied the scarecrow cheerfully. My head is stuffed with straw, you know, and that's why I'm going to Oz to ask him for some brains. Oh, I see, said the tin woodman. But After all, brains are not the best things in the world. Have you any? inquired the scarecrow. No, my head is quite empty, answered the woodman. But I once had brains and a heart also. So, having tried them both, I should much rather have a heart. And why is that? asked the scarecrow. I will tell you my story, then you will know, said the woodman. So, while they were walking through the forest, the tin woodman told the following story. I was born the son of a woodman who chopped down trees in the forest and sold the wood for a living. When I grew up, I too became a woodchopper, and after my father died, I took care of my old mother as long as she lived. Then, I made up my mind that instead of living alone, I would marry so that I might not become lonely. There was once a munchkin girl who I grew to love with all my heart. She, on her part, promised to marry me, as she loved me too. But the girl lived with an old woman who did not want her to marry anyone, for she was so lazy. She wished the girl to remain with her And do the cooking and the housework. So the old woman went to the Wicked Witch of the East and promised her two sheep and a cow if she would prevent the marriage. Thereupon the Wicked Witch enchanted my axe, and when I next picked it up and began to chop I was transformed into tin. But alas, I now had no heart. So I lost all my love for the munchkin girl and did not care whether I married her or not. I suppose she is still living with the old woman waiting for me to come after her. My body shone so brightly in the sun that I felt very proud of it. There was only one danger, that my joints would rust. But I kept an oil can in my cottage and took care to oil myself whenever I needed it. However, there came a day when I forgot to do this and being caught in a rainstorm, before I thought of the danger, my joints had rusted, and I was left to stand in the woods until you came to help me. It was a terrible thing to undergo, but during the year I stood there, I had time to think that the greatest loss I had known was the loss of my heart. While I was in love, I was the happiest man on earth. But no one can love who has not a heart. And so, I'm resolved to ask Oz to give me one. If he does, I will go back to the munchkin maiden and marry her. Both Dorothy and the Scarecrow had been greatly interested in the story of the Tin Woodman, and now they knew why he was so anxious to get a new heart. All the same, said the Scarecrow, I shall ask for brains instead of a heart, for a fool would not know what to do with a heart if he had one. I shall take the heart," returned the Tin Woodman, for brains do not make one happy, and happiness is the best thing in the world. Dorothy did not say anything, for she was puzzled to know which of her two friends was right, and she decided if she could only get back to Kansas and Aunt Em. It did not matter so much whether the woodman had no brains and the scarecrow had no heart, or each got what he wanted. What worried her most was that the bread was nearly gone, and another meal for herself and Toto would empty the basket. To be sure, neither the woodman nor the scarecrow ever ate anything. But she was not made of tin nor straw, and could not live unless she was fed. Chapter 6 The Cowardly Lion All this time, Dorothy and her companions had been walking through the thick woods. The road was still paved with yellow brick, but these were much covered by dried branches and dead leaves from the trees, and the walking was not at all good. There were a few birds in this part of the forest... For birds love the open country, where there is plenty of sunshine. But now and then, there came a deep growl from some wild animal hidden among the trees. These sounds made the little girl's heart beat fast, for she did not know what made them. But Toto knew, and he walked close to Dorothy's side and did not even bark in return. "'How long will it be?' the child asked of the tin woodman. "'Before we are out of the forest?' "'I cannot tell,' was the answer, for I have never been to the Emerald City.' But my father went there once, when I was a boy, and he said it was a long journey through a dangerous country. Although nearer to the city where Oz dwells, the country is beautiful. But I am not afraid, so long as I have my oil can, and nothing can hurt the scarecrow, and you bear upon your forehead the mark of the good witch's kiss, and that will protect you from harm. But Toto, said the girl anxiously, what will protect him? We must protect him ourselves if he is in danger, replied the tin woodman. Just as he spoke, There came from the forest a terrible roar, and the next moment, a great lion bounded into the road. With one blow of his paw, he sent the scarecrow spinning over and over into the edge of the road. Then he struck at the tin woodman, with his sharp claws. But to the lion's surprise, he could make no impression on the tin, although the woodman fell over in the road and lay still. Little Toto, now that he had an enemy to face, ran, barking toward the lion, and the great beast had opened his mouth to bite the dog, when Dorothy, fearing Toto would be killed and heedless of danger, rushed forward and slapped the lion upon his nose as hard as she could while she cried out, "'Don't you dare to bite Toto. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, a big beast like you!" To bite a poor little dog. I didn't bite him, said the lion as he rubbed his nose with his paw where Dorothy had hit it. No, but you tried to, she retorted. You are nothing but a big coward. I know it, said the lion. Hanging his head in shame, I have always known it, but how can I help it? I don't know, I am sure, said Dorothy. To think of your striking a stuffed man like the poor scarecrow. Is he stuffed? asked the lion in surprise as he watched her pick up the scarecrow and set him on his feet, while she patted him into shape again. Of course he's stuffed, replied Dorothy, who was still angry. That's why he went over so easily, remarked the lion. It astonished me to see him whirl around so Is the other one stuffed also? No, said Dorothy. He's made of tin. And she helped the woodman up again. That's why he nearly blunted my claws, said the lion. When they scratched against the tin, it made a cold shiver run down my back. "'What is that little animal you are so tender of?' "'He's my dog, Toto,' answered Dorothy. "'Is he made of tin or stuffed?' asked the lion. "'Neither. He's a... a meat dog,' said the girl. "'Oh, he's a curious animal.' seems remarkably small now that I look at him. No one would think of biting such a little thing, except a coward like me, continued the lion sadly. What makes you a coward? asked Dorothy, looking at the great beast in wonder, for he was as big as a small horse. It's a mystery, replied the lion. I suppose I was born that way. All the other animals in the forest naturally expect me to be brave, for the lion is everywhere thought to be the king of beasts. I learned that if I roared very loudly, every living thing was frightened and got out of my way. Whenever I've met a man, I've been awfully scared, but I just roared at him, and he has always run away as fast as he could go. If the elephants, and the tigers, and the bears had ever tried to fight me, I should have run myself. I am such a coward." But as soon as they hear me roar, they all try to get away from me. And, of course, I let them go. But that isn't right. The king of beasts shouldn't be a coward, said the scarecrow. Oh, I know it, returned the lion, wiping a tear from his eye with the tip of his tail. It is my great sorrow and makes my life very unhappy. But whenever there is danger, my heart begins to beat fast. Perhaps you're just excited, said the tin woodman. It may be, said the lion. If you are, continued the tin woodman. You ought to be glad, for it proves you have a heart. Perhaps, said the lion thoughtfully, if I had no heart, I should not be a coward. Have you brains? asked the scarecrow. I suppose so. I've never looked to see replied the lion. "'I am going to the Great Oz to ask him to give me some,' remarked the scarecrow, "'for my head is stuffed with straw.' "'And I am going to ask him to give me a heart,' said the woodman. "'And I am going to ask him to send Toto and me back to Kansas.' added Dorothy. "'Do you think Oz could give me courage?' asked the cowardly lion. "'Just as easily as he could give me brains,' said the scarecrow. "'Or give me a heart,' said the tin woodman. "'Or send me back to Kansas,' said Dorothy. "'Then if you don't mind,' I'll go with you, said the lion, for my life is simply unbearable without a bit of courage. You will be very welcome, answered Dorothy, for you will be able to keep away the other wild beasts. It seems to me they must be more cowardly than you are if they allow you to scare them so easily." They really are, said the lion, but that doesn't make me any braver, and as long as I know myself to be a coward, I shall be unhappy. So, once more, the little company set off upon the journey, the lion walking with stately strides at Dorothy's side. Toto did not approve of this new comrade at first, for he could not forget how nearly he had been crushed between the lion's great jaws. But after a time, he became more at ease, and presently Toto and the cowardly lion had grown to be good friends. During the rest of that day, there was no other adventure to mar the peace of their journey. Once, indeed, the Tin Woodman almost stepped upon a beetle that was crawling along the road. This made the Tin Woodman very unhappy, for he was always careful not to hurt any living creature, and as he walked along, he wept several tears of sorrow and regret. These tears ran slowly down his face and over the hinges of his jaw, and there they rusted. When Dorothy presently asked him a question, the tin woodman could not open his mouth, for his jaws were tightly rusted together. He became greatly frightened at this and made many motions to Dorothy to relieve him, but she could not understand. The lion was also puzzled to know what was wrong, but the scarecrow seized the oil can from Dorothy's basket and oiled the woodman's jaws so that after a few moments he could talk as well as before. This will serve me a lesson, said he, to look where I step, for if I should accidentally harm a bug or beetle, I should surely cry again. And crying rusts my jaws so that I cannot speak. Thereafter, he walked very carefully with his eyes on the road, and when he saw a tiny ant toiling by, he would step over it so as not to harm it. The Tin Woodman knew very well he had no heart, And therefore, he took great care, never to be cruel or unkind to anything. You people with hearts, he said, have something to guide you and need never to do wrong. But I have no heart, and so I must be very careful. When Oz gives me a heart, of course... I needn't mind so much.